Welcome to this Protect Our Past show where my co-host Matt Holden and I focus on opening your ears to the need to arrest the demolition of the iconic historic identity of Cape Cod, meaning it is definitely better to restore an historic house that has stood the test of time and avoid the eco-issues, and there are plenty of them, for demolition and new builds. We'll get to that another time because we have the most wonderful guest today. Actually, it's part two. Of it our- is part two. This is a continuation of our show f- from October 25th, and we were having so much fun, and now that this paranormal boat is up on plane, we don't want to stop it. So, yeah, so- this is a continuation of Adam... Welcome. Thank you. Again. Thank you for having me for part B, part yeah. two. Well, it's Adam Berry, and yeah. he is the co-host and star or, uh, and producer of a television series called Kindred Spirits, which is a name I rather like better than Ghosts. Kindred, because they're <laughs> friendly. They have hearts and souls. Uh, it's on the Travel Channel, Discovery. The Plus, Discovery Plus, and Adam, a number of other streaming Max, outlets. Prime, yeah, everywhere. You can throw, throw a stick, just Google it. And he's a, a Provincetown resident, has been for many, many years. So thank you for staying thank and, you. and doing our part two. Yeah, great. Adam, we spent a little time at the start of the last program talking about your book, which uh, is now available. Yes. Um, called Goodbye, Hello, Processing Grief and Understanding Death Through the Paranormal. Yes. Do we, anything else that we want to cover on that? Uh, uh, on the book? Well, I, I hopefully people uh, get it. You can get it at the local bookstores here, support local, support community. Um, I The reason why I wanted to write a book, uh, A, because I've had tons of experiences, right? And I know people listening, like, you know, if you don't believe in ghosts, I'm not here to convince you otherwise, right? Um, the book is... A series of ideas and uh, theories on what spirits and ghosts say to us about the afterlife. And the hope with the book is that it will help us better understand our own grief and mortality. Um, because when you lose a loved one, it, it can be very devastating and sad. And sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes you just need help moving uh, or continuing the journey and processing that person's loss and you get stuck. And so maybe this book would give you a different Mm -hmm. idea of uh, what that can be. Um, If you haven't thought about ghosts or if you have thought about ghosts, like uh, why not hear what they have to say about the afterlife and maybe it'll help in some way. Yeah. I just had the uh, unfortunate experience of of going to memorial slash service, uh, funeral life celebration services for three people in 24 Mm. hours. Oh, no. And so I was heavily laden with the memories and thoughts and and concerns for the family. So I think I need to recommend your book to these people. Thank you. The people left behind. All right. So we were talking in part one. We sort of ended it by going through the Cape and seeing what kind of uh, kindred spirits still exist in the different towns. This is one of the oldest. Well, it's it's difficult to say if you're talking about the um, people who've moved over from the across the pond to uh, become residents of the Cape or the Northeast. 
We're going back into the 1600s, maybe some for a few a little earlier. And then there are the indigenous people who also lived here. Right. So we have lots of opportunities for kindred spirits to be hanging around on Cape Cod. For sure. Do so you want to share some more of that? Yeah. I am uh, I think we left off at Chatham, and everything's haunted in Chatham. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, here's the here's the thing. So I, I have mostly focused on, uh, you know, mid-Cape, Barnstable, Orleans and the Outer Cape, right? Um, I can please, you know, find me on social media and tell me where else I need to go up Cape. Uh, because you're right, the the history of Cape Cod and New England in general is is very old. I mean, that's why people, you know, they say, well, why are you always investigating in New England? Why don't you come out to California? And I'm like, I'd love to come out to California. Um, but I don't necessarily have to because New England is very haunted. Why do you think this time of year that we're in this fall time of year is the best in New England? Not only do the trees look beautiful, but all of these spooky stories come out. And even um, even going into Christmas, right? People are like, oh, Christmas can't be spooky. I'm like, don't you know the Christmas song? Um, There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Hello, right. Charles Dickens has three yep. ghosts visiting. Like, ghosts are around and they've been around and the legends and folklores of ghosts have been around. And I think, especially on the Outer Cape and Cape Cod, um, there are people that know their history and they they respect it, right? They know where they've been. They know where they've come from, especially if they're living in a beautiful old home. And they can't help but sit and think about the dinners and celebrations that have happened in this in this old historic home or, or wherever. And, and you feel it. You feel the ghosts of the past, whether or not it's haunted. You just know there's something to it. And so when we investigate, I always encourage people like they say, well, what should I do? Uh, You know, if my house is haunted, we talked about that earlier. But you should also you should also go if you have not researched your own home, go pull the deeds, find go back as far as you can. Find Mm -hmm. out what was on the land. Find out who owned it. Find out how many kids they have. Find out what they did. Like know where your property has come from, because it may help you better understand um, some of the feelings that you get. Uh, while you're inside, you know, it's, uh, oh God, I love talking about old homes because it's just, it's, it's to me, uh, it it, it connects us to our past and allows us to uh, plan for the future, if that makes sense. All right. So I'm going to, I have a guest windmill that was built by my great uncle in the early twenties. It was built from beams from old shipwrecks. Mm -hmm. Those are hundreds of years old. Right. So, I can assume that perhaps there's some paranormal energy yeah. transplants, transplants. <laughs> possibly the, from the beams. What I experienced because they were from ships; they weren't from mm-hmm. people who lived in the land. Right, possibly. I mean, you have to think of it this way. Again, energy uh, goes somewhere. Something happens to that kind of violence. I mean, a shipwreck is a violent mm-hmm. thing to to happen. So. I mean, possibly there. There's always like a possible, like it could be, right? Um, but I, I think you'd have to recognize it, right? Like you'd have to say, oh, well, there's weird activity around this windmill. Like something is happening around it, and I don't understand what what's the cause. That could be one of the causes, right? So as an investigator, what I would do is I would say, okay, well, what do we know about this windmill? Like your uncle built it, but what shipwreck was it? Okay, so what do we know about that shipwreck? Where is the shipwreck? Who was on the ship? Who died? Who perished? What? It's like bringing up all of that information randomly 
inside the windmill or like near the windmill and seeing if anything reacts. Like, is there any reaction? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a ghost, but you could be triggering something energetically in the universe that reacts to what you're saying because it's recognizable. What are some techniques in which you would trigger or invoke a spirit um i know everybody talks about ouija boards and that. oh i love let's talk about them <laughs> okay let's but do I, it. I think no. like either parker brothers or milton bradley made them and they don't make them anymore because they said it was oh no like, they still make them oh they do oh okay. yeah you can find them so my oh, fa- i collect ouija boards okay uh and before if you're listening at home and you have a ouija board you're okay and if you want a ouija board you're totally fine to get one and i know that people are listening are like no that's satan but here's the thing Ouija boards were invented so that people could get together in the night and be close to each other. There's a famous Norman Rockwell Saturday Evening Post cover. And if anyone has it and wants to give it to me, I will love you for the rest of my life. It is uh, from the May 1st issue of 1920. And it's uh, a couple and they're playing with the Ouija board. But under the table, their legs are intertwined. And it was so risque, right? Because it's a parlor game that would allow people to be close to each other when the lights were low. And it wasn't until Hollywood got a hold of the Ouija board with, I think it was Poltergeist, the movie, Mm. that it became something other than just a parlor game, right? Now, people are like, oh, but you, I've had crazy things happen. I've had all these experiences. You never hear someone say, I was 40 years old, sober, with sober friends, and we had a crazy experience. It's always, I was in my grandmother's attic. We found it. We were kids. We started playing with it, and we had these crazy experience, right? It's never like logic. It's, it's always a heightened thing. And then I want people to Google the idiomotor effect. That is the reason why a planchette moves on a Ouija board. What it means is that even though there are people putting their hands on that Ouija board and they swear they are not moving it and they know they're not moving it and they're not moving their hands, someone is actually moving it and they don't know it. And it's the idiomotor effect. The Ouija board will not work if you are blindfolded. It will not move. So take that what you will. But on the flip side, if you believe you can communicate with the dead through a planchette and a Ouija board... What's to say you can't, right? It's a tool of communication, an instrument of communication. I just explained all the reasons why I don't think it works. But if you believe that it works and you are using it to contact the dead, good on you, right? But a demon will not come out of that board and attack you in the face and suck you to hell. It's not happening. It's just yeah, okay. not It's not going to happen. So speaking of... I'm sorry, Ellen. Go ahead. No, you, you go question? ahead. Oh, oh. I was gonna say, I've got a Ouija board here. Let's pull it out. <laughs> That'll be part three. Uh, <laughs> so, from, the, from the beyond. So there's friendly ghosts and not so friendly. Sure. Um, you know, the book, you talk a lot about um, doing your homework and, and understanding the provenance and, and the history of a home. So you can help a homeowner understand what's going on. Uh, have you ever met your match in, with respect to going into a certain facility like, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to dis- disarm this one? Yeah. So uh, it ebbs and flows. There are cases that leave us very unnerved. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there was a case in Iowa that we did. Uh, I don't think I talk about it in the book, so I'll mention it here. Um, it, it was the Velisca Axe Murder House. It's where uh, the family was brutally murdered in their sleep. And the uh, the story, they never caught the guy who did it. 
Um, the story was he hid in the attic all day long because they found cigarette butts and he waited for the family to go to sleep. And, and then he murdered the mother, the father, the two kids and the two kids that were sleeping over at night. Um, I investigated that location and just the the uh, first off, the respect that needs to be paid when you're doing that kind of thing, because if you think about what they went through, the respect that as an investigator you have to come from like you it is not a house where you go in and say can you knock for me mm -hmm. it is a hi i'm sorry you went through what you went through is there anything we can do to help you if you are still here um, and what we discovered seemed to be that the house the person who did it was there not the family which to me is like good i'd rather him be here living his you know thinking about what he did uh for the rest of eternity than the family suffering inside the house. But it was very strange to be in there. And the energy was palpable. It felt oppressive. It felt like it was it, you could cut it with a knife. And there was a point where I realized that when you were afraid, the activity picked up. It was as if the house was feeding off of your fears. And so I did an experiment where everyone left the house and I sat by myself in the attic opening door with my back to the attic with a camera on me and a recorder in my hand. And I, and I just sat there and I was getting afraid and I was like, ooh, this is unnerving. And I, I asked him, I was like, did you kill it? Like, who did it? Who, who murdered this family? And it was like, I killed them. And that shook me, shook me because it's like, oh, okay. It is who we're talking about. And you know, and you, there's a level of respect you want to give the person for talking to you. But then the other side, it's like, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to be happy about your situation. And like, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily going to ask what they want, you know? Um, You're not going to indulge them. No, exactly. I, I Why? You, you are a horrible individual. Like, I feel bad for you. I have empathy for your current situation, but yeah, you know? So uh, that house was, it was very strange. And it, we left, you know, knowing that we had found answers in a way, but it was like, uh, that it just leaves something with you. Oh, I'm sure you carried those feelings around for a while. I still do. I mean, uh, I'm like, I can well, feel them now. Well, just hearing you say that was very, it, it went sort of shuddered through my body. It's like, uh. Right. So there are, so there you are. You say that very well. There, like you are the ghost. Well, there way. are bad there are bad spirits, but they're also bad people. Mm -hmm. If you're a jerk or if you're bad in life, it doesn't mean that you're not bad or a jerk when you've died. And it's it's one of those things where but the, that's an evil ghost. I'm like, yeah, that ghost is not nice. Like if we could figure out who he was, like maybe he was not nice when he was alive, you know, or maybe the way that he passed away or she passed away or they passed away. It's like maybe whatever they went through has now made them angry and aggressive and crazy. Well, do you do they ever use you to help solve murders? So, uh, uh, no, yes and no. So, no, but we did find uh, a, a body buried in a basement on an investigation. Uh, we were investigating a an old Masonic uh, temple uh, that was, uh, by the way, love love Mesa Mason members. I have lots of friends that are Masons and I, they're incredible people. So don't think that this is anything on the Masons. It had nothing to do with the Masons. <laughs> um, it was an, uh, an antique store that was actually a, a funeral home. And uh, we got an EVP in the basement that said, I was left down here. And I said, well, where were you? In the front part of the basement, the middle part of the basement, or the back? And it said back. 
and I and you know psychics had come through in the past and said there was a body but we we're like this is weird but we did our due diligence we we're like you know what let's get a cadaver dog so we had a cadaver dog come in uh, and this dog sure enough picked up on one spot in the basement just one and they don't dogs those dogs don't lie right one spot laid down and it was in the back part of the basement um, and people are like, oh, but it was a funeral home upstairs. It could have been, you know, the, the fluids could have been everywhere. It was like, no, no, no. It wasn't everywhere. It was a specific one spot in the back of the basement. Called in a ground penetrating radar. They said there's an anomaly under the ground. We can't explain it. We called the police department. The police department came. They, it was an immediate crime scene. They called in their state cadaver dog, which picked up on the same spot. They called in forensic. <laughs> they dug down. Then came the yellow tape. Yeah. No, the yellow tape was already there from the <laughs> moment. And we were being inter like interrogated. Like, what do we do? I didn't do anything. Uh, their state dog found the same spot. And so they started digging. And they got to a point where they were like, you know, it, the remains were very, very, very old. Uh, so it would it'd be out of jurisdiction. But there is something down here. And the, the next step would be like to call in a university archaeological team to dig even further and to like, you know, basically put pieces together um but yeah a, a, a spirit said that they were left on there and then voila what that makes no sense to me <laughs> it's crazy well your uh, your job is just getting extending into other realms <laughs> yeah all right quickly that the indigenous people right i mean right, we, right, right. we don't want to forget them and i'm wondering how much of a presence they have um uh you know more different uh, in many different ways so when we nine times out of ten, when we go to a home where a family, they're like, "Oh, it's Native American spirit. It's an angry Native American spirit." Like they always say that because you know TV and Hollywood has made them believe that that could be a thing. Um, it's usually the first thing we take off the table. Um, but we have encountered um, in especially upstate New York uh, entities that seem of the earth. Uh, Seneca Nation kind of stuff. Seneca, yeah, just yeah. but they seem they. They seem of the earth, and that's the only way I can describe it. It seems like they're elemental spirits. It's like wind. It just seems, you know, they're they're creating activity, they're having activity, but they're not speaking English. And and if this happens to us, the first thing that we do is we don't pretend to know anything about Native American anything. I, I am a white gay man. I I will not. Uh, talk to someone about Native American. Well, in your book too, beliefs. Adam, you right. said that if if it was of um, Jewish heritage, you wouldn't pretend nope. to know anything about scripture related to the Hebrew Not at religion. All. What we do is we bring in someone who does. So we brought in, like, if it's Seneca tribe, we will bring in a Seneca shaman, and they will come in and they will educate us on the land. They will educate us on why they possibly think that it could be haunted by Native American spirits, and then they will do a ritual or something in their own own language and in their own way that help that uh, you know supports their ancestors and those that might be there on the property um so I uh, it's one thing to make sure like all of this land was not ours right it belonged to someone else so knowing that first and foremost is of of utmost importance um, but also don't jump to the conclusion that you think it is Native American because uh, you know maybe it's not but if it were to be and you felt like you wanted to do something to honor the native american spirits get someone who knows what they're doing to do that for you mm -hmm. and enjoy in learning what that is like and what that experience is um and then it you know it, it's for the greater good Let's bring it back to the Cape, Ellen. Um, we well, started. Can oh, I oh, interrupt for a minute? I no, just, you can. Yeah, I want to. Okay, go Corn ahead. Corn Hill. 
That's corn, all yeah. I could think of is, I wonder if he's experienced anything in Cornhill. Then let's go to your okay. thoughts. <clears throat> so I have not, the only thing I experienced at Cornhill Beach was, uh, uh, that's a long story. I'm going off topic. Um, not, nothing paranormal. Uh, we live there. We live near there now. Um, so maybe that'll change. But I know that like on the shores of Cape Cod, especially in the Outer Cape, uh, on foggy like winter days, I used to go out and sit and eat a sandwich, you know, when you're trapped in the house all winter. And I go out and sit in my car and like look at the ocean. Um, occasionally you'll see what looks like somebody walking the beach, but mm -hmm. it's freezing. And you sort of, you're like, oh, is that somebody? And then you kind of look and you're like, where did that person go? Like where, I don't understand. But people say they see figures and apparitions walking the shoreline. And maybe that is from, uh, you know, shipwrecks. There's lots of shipwrecks that have happened. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people uh, say that uh, they encounter things in the woods of churros that, you know, aliens, you know, something oh. could be something like that. Like I, I'm obsessed with the alien culture in the Outer Cape. You know, it's uh, aliens, uh, you know, abductions with the, the Air Force Base out there. I used to go out there at night and I still do sometimes. Don't tell anyone. Um, and I'll <laughs> lay on the ground and watch, you know, stars don't move in circles. Right. Uh, the other day we were driving out of Provincetown at dusk and there was something that flashed white across like Pilgrim Lake so fast. It was not an airplane. And my husband, Ben, was like, I'm sorry. Did you see that? I was like, yeah. And it was like, it's probably a plane. He was a plane does not move that fast. Right. Um, so I've been always fascinated ever since uh, there was a Outer Cape auction and I got two prints of Bud Hopkins. And those people listening that know art, uh, Bud Hopkins, uh, uh, modern expressionist art, like incredible artist. And then I found out that he wrote books on alien abductions. Missing Time was is one of his most famous ones. And he was here when he had that experience in Provincetown on Snell Road. Um, and so I now I collect his work, uh, things called The Guardian, things called, you know, they have really great space names. It's very uh, abstract and square and you know, I don't know if it attracts aliens, but I've had my experiences, mm -hmm. so I'll blame, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll blame the art. But um, I think uh, I think there's something about the uh, this little crooked crook of land that attracts not only ghosts, not only people, but also extraterrestrials. Well, just read Norman Mailer's book, Tough Guys Don't Dance, and it gives you a good cross-section of, <laughs> of what's going on around here. Uh, Adam, I want to, you have an event coming up here in October. Spirit of the Dunes. Did I did I get that? Spirit yeah, of did. the Dunes. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, uh, today so this is part two. So I did the weekend before Halloween. Oh, we right. had a we had an event here, um, uh, and I did uh, my real ghost stories talk um, at the Fisherman Hall. And what's cool is like if anybody ever wants to join, I, I do a lot of these around town. So you can uh, find me on Facebook or you can go to ptownghosthunt.com mm -hmm. uh, to see if there's anything coming up. Uh, but I uh, I like talking about ghosts and spirits, especially those in Provincetown and uh -huh. uh, moving beyond the, the this is very scary. You know, it's uh, it's like let's talk about the history and the education. How about the Helltown? Can we go back to that? We started the first show about the the houses that had been moved over mm. here from oh yeah so and, and that was a kind of a community of mitch's uh, moon spinners and mischief makers and yeah i mean here's the yeah i mean so i mean the rumor is they would um they would wreck ships on the uh, out on the hell town they would mm. wreck ships on purpose using lanterns and then they would go on board and like steal everything and kill and like i don't know 
I don't know if they, I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they probably did that. But those houses out there, that was like uh, the beyond the Thunderdome, but like at the end of the Cape. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's probably every man for themselves. And then once the whaling industry stopped, they moved them all over. So those are those houses probably have a lot of energy connected to them. Um, not to mention, I mean, we're surrounded by water on three sides. And their tides go in and out. And there's something about, they theoretically say, moving water creates, can create some energy, can create, you know, can promote activity, the tides, the moons. You know, Native Americans were much into all of that, you know. Um, so I think there's something to it. Um, but it, if you live in one of these houses that have been floated over and are having crazy activity, give me a call. I'll come and check it out. You never know. Well, let's just... To see if we can define the difference between um, a, a kindred spirit and a UFO oh, slash yeah. alien. Are, For sure. Are they intermixed or are they totally separate? So, deep question. Uh, I don't know. There are people that believe that spirit, the ghosts that we talk to are actually like either interdimensional creatures or <laughs> aliens. And, you know, I can't say they're not. I can't say they're not because everything is theory. You know, I believe that a lot of the spirits that I interact with are people that have once lived in human form because they are answering questions about their life that I know factual information of. Like I know who the, who they might be. And so they're answering questions based on that. But what's to say that it's not some sort of interdimensional something that comes through and talks to you or an alien? Um, I've never seen anyone get abducted by a ghost. So that's good. <laughs> right? But people claim to get abducted by aliens. So that's good. That's cool. Um, and I think uh, the difference, uh, I don't know, the difference is um, ghosts and spirits are, 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 are connected to religion in a weird way. You know, like people have religion and they believe the afterlife is a certain thing. And so they c- kind of connect spirits to that sort of belief system that they have. Aliens, on the other hand, if they were to pop out and make themselves known, which lately that seems to be coming every 10 or so years, it's the government's releasing all this stuff, right? Nothing's ever new. It's all the same. But like if an alien were to just show up and like be an alien and we got it and it's like undeniable, half the world's not going to believe you because they're going to think it's fake information and, and not actual real video. But say, for instance, it was real. It would destroy religion. Right. Mm-hmm. Because people would be like, wait a minute, this thing that I've known, yeah, but this, weird. like what happened? Like, that's not. So I don't know. It's two different things. And I know, you know, I work with a lot of ghost hunters, quote unquote, that look for ghost paranormal investigators that are very terrified of aliens because it's a very different thing. I mean, to be sucked up into space and like, I'm just like, listen, don't hurt me. You can abduct me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. But like. Tell me some new information. Tell me something I can go back and like save the world with, which no one will believe you because <laughs> they'd be like, he's cuckoo. Um, actually, if aliens, if you're listening, don't come and get me. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm Stay right. away from all of us. I'm we, Ellen, we are out of time. And no. This to go on, it's not fair. Um, you've made the point that, that I'm taking away with me is that when people tear down historic houses, they are really disrupting these wonderful kindred spirits and and 
making them homeless. And that's not a so there's another reason not to tear down but to restore. I will say very quickly, if you are remodeling your house and you're having activity pickup, the best thing that you can do is to explain to them that you are doing it for the betterment of the home and without you it would crumble into the ground and they'd have nowhere to go. So that is literally what you say. Um, because some we don't know what they see or what they feel. Sometimes you put a door where they didn't have a door because you have to put a door there. Let them know that, you know? Tell them that you're doing it for the good of the home. All right. I think it's time for our parting quote, Ellen. It is. I'll do it again. It's a quote by John Sawhill, folks, and it's, A society will be defined not only for what it has created, but for also what it refused to destroy. Think about it, folks, and thank you. And thank you, Adam. Thank you. It was great fun. Let's do it third time now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Next week. (laughs) Yeah.